Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets podcast. You are correct, this is not Luke, uh, this is Nick from Mets Performance, I'm a sports scientist and strength conditioning coach with Mets. Uh, Luke has mentioned me in a couple of the previous podcasts where we've we sort of touched on strength and conditioning. Um, he was right in saying that I'm going to jump on and do some podcast episodes for you guys, so uh, give you a di- bit of a different perspective and how else we can improve our performance, um, not just traditionally through swim, bike, run, row, training, whatever your sport is, but... But by getting in the by getting in the gym, doing some strength work, improving our biomechanics, improving our movement efficiency. So, um, we've just packed. I've just packed up the office for today, heading home. Thought I'd jump on and just give you a quick podcast. Um, hopefully, it doesn't go for too long. But about balancing, building our physiology and improving our biomechanics and movement efficiency. So, um, I feel like at the moment the endurance industry in Australia is very physiology focused which is great I mean we, we need to we're endurance athletes we need the engine that's going to be able to go for a long period of time and we want to maximize our that engine's abilities so we want to be able to hold our threshold pace um, for 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 a higher wattage on the bike for example we want to be able to run at a faster threshold pace we want to be able to hold a better race pace we want to be more efficient at using oxygen things like that but one thing that I feel is is a little bit left to the side, and it's starting to pick up a bit of traction, but it's still probably not as well known in in the endurance uh, endurance uh, sports, is movement efficiency. So biomechanics of movement, how well we apply force, how well we move, um, which at the end of the day is going to be a, is is one of the key performance indicators for endurance sport. It, it, there's actually, it was a great slide we, we had from uni through the undergrad degree at, um, at Deakin was, it was a slide that set, it, it's basically outlines endurance performance at the top and it, it branches off into two key sections. It says um, physiology and basically basically your engine and then it says how well you move. In, in really simple terms, that was the, that was the, the picture that we got shown and I, I found that really interesting and that's sort of the path I've headed down is how, how do I improve an athlete's movement um, to maximize that engine. So basically we want to make you move as efficient as possible so we don't waste any waste any of that energy output, we don't waste any fuel, we don't waste um, waste force, power, um, what, whatever whatever variable we're looking at. Um, minimize drag forces, become more aero, um, run a lot smoother so we're not bouncing up and down or we're not applying braking forces that we don't need. We want to con- continually propel ourselves forward um, with as little effort as possible, because then when we need to put the power down that we've got as a reserve, say for example in a little sp- like a sprint finish, or if we want to really push the power on the bike leg of a triathlon, or um, wh- whatever it is, we're able to do it, um, and we're able to do it as efficiently as possible. So part of that uh, part of that is strength and conditioning. So my sort of area of expertise is is in S and C and Basically, what SNC hopes to achieve with endurance performance is we want to make you better at basic movements that are going to translate into sport-specific movements. So um, that's getting getting you into the gym and learning how to squat, deadlift, big, big comp- compound exercises are using large muscle groups. But essentially, that's going to build a mind-muscle connection. So it, what we call it the neuromuscular pathway. Um, it bridges bridges the gap between what your brain wants you to do and what your muscle is going to output. Um, better connections there is going to mean we're going to move more efficiently. We're going to recruit more of our muscle, um, which gives us a better contraction, better force application. Um, things like learning how to squat correctly and learning how to um, be in a split stance or a single leg stance correctly is going to transfer heavily over to our sport because we, we need to be as efficient as possible uh, in, in our sport-specific movements. So take take a split squat where, or, the, or a lunge stance, for example. Um, 
one leg, being able to be be stable and and efficient on one leg in the gym is going to transfer over to being stable and efficient on one leg halfway through a stride in the run. So you think about you bring one leg up to step over the top, you've got one leg planted on the ground. You need to be strong through the hips, the glutes, uh, hamstrings. It's the exact same when we're in the gym. We're mimicking that movement in the gym, um, but we're able to load it up and overload it through through weight training, through strength training, um, to really accelerate that development. So that's one aspect of it. We're getting in the gym and, and improving our improving our, our neuromuscular pathways, improving our ability to apply force, uh, things like that. The other aspect of, of efficiency and economy is um, biomechanics. So what we think of, it, and biomechanics works hand in hand with strength conditioning because strength conditioning for me is all about getting an endurance athlete in the gym and teaching them how to move correctly um, and, and safely as well. So um, what, what we then see is that when we're out running, we're out riding, we're out swimming, rowing, whatever, if we're able to move more efficiently and more and more safely in the in the gym for an in, like we're, we're going to be more injury, uh, we're, we're going to be less injury prone, should I say? We're, we're going to minimise that injury risk because we're we're then going to run safer. And what I mean by run safer is we're going to run in a more correct manner. So we're going to apply force into the ground more efficiently. We're going to take strain off, um, say for example, the knee, the ankle, Achilles, because we're sh- we're strong through our tendons and our muscles, but also correct force application. Um, is going to mean we're not putting unnecessary stress on, on a part of the body. A, a good example that I can think of on the top of my head is when, when you run, um, when, we get, when, when we get tired, um, a, a common trend I generally see at, at races is athletes will start using a heel strike, which, which is okay. Like we, When we walk, we heel strike, but if we want to be as efficient as possible when we run, getting up on the ball of your foot and placing it directly underneath your underneath the center of mass, so under your body, is going to be more efficient because it's propelling you forward. If you stride out in front of you slightly and strike with your heel, which an extended leg out in front with a heel strike is going to do, it applies what's called a braking force and it, it slows you down. It, it's negating that propulsion. Think of when you're in the car and... I'll use a few car analogies in this podcast, but when you're in the car, it's like tra- applying a braking force when you want to be pro- propelling yourself is like driving the car with the handbrake on. It, it's kind of it, it's doing the opposite of what you're trying to achieve. So um, that's where biomechanics come into it. And I'll, I'll give a little plug to to the balance runner and Paul McKinnon. He does a fantastic job at at uh, improving running technique, particularly. Um, there's a few few different guys out there who do um, the, all the various different sports, like things like getting correct bike fit and having the correct saddle height, um, aero bar position, um, cleat position on your on your foot is a big one. Um, if you, A simple thing is changing your cleat position so it's in the middle of your foot. Um, it's probably something that a lot of people overlook. Um, and I only started, sort of started really looking at my cleat position not too long ago um, since getting back into riding myself. But already I can feel a difference between a cleat position at the front of my foot where I'm using more of my toes and pushing pushing through my toes and shifting the cleat back to the middle of my foot in the widest part of my foot, the middle of the cleat now sits, and that's where the most force is going to go through the pedal in that part of my foot. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same when you run. That's the part of your foot you want to run on because you're going to get the most propulsion. So it, in a way, it just makes sense to have the cleat in that position. Um, what that translates to is more efficient position. I'm going to waste less energy trying to apply force in the in the wrong direction. Um, I'm also going to take a bit of strain off my off my calf, off my off my knee, my hip, because I'm applying force in a way that my body wants me to apply force. Humans were built 
in a way to do certain things. If you have a look at the structure of a human compared to any other animal on Earth, we were built to run. We were built to we were built to be endurance athletes. You have a look at the makeup of our the way our leg comes down and then the Achilles and the foot position. We've got nice big long feet to then give us that propulsion. Why not maximize it? Um, we, we weren't we weren't we weren't made and we weren't uh, developed over time to heel strike. We were developed to run on the ball of our foot and be propelled forward. Um, it's a survival. It's a. It basically comes down to survival instinct. If we need to move somewhere quickly, that was the quickest way we could do it. And hu- humans, human evolution over time, uh, uh, like obviously we're a long way from where we were. But think, think way back in the, in the first first part part of like human history, where you're, you're having to run away from wild animals and predators. Um, we've developed these long feet with these big, the big ball of your foot to provide lots of power, lots of acceleration, but then a continued propulsion force over a long period of time that's going to get us away from those things. Bring it forward to the present day. We're using that same mechanism to be efficient when we run for a long period of time. Um, so that's where we need to just, we, we need to think about our efficiency of movement. And it's, whether that's whether that's analysis of movement biomechanics or it could just be, you might have a great technique, but you, you just need to get better at applying force and teach your body how to apply more force. Um, at the end of the day, if we improve our maximal force output, which is um, basically our max strength, so if we improve our max strength, we're going to improve our repetitive strength or our local muscular endurance, um, which is applicable to in, endurance sport. If you can apply a really big force in one maximal effort, that's going to drag up the amount of force you can apply in repeated efforts, which is essentially what we do in endurance sport. It's a repeat. It's a repeated movement. So when you run, you're taking step after step after step, pedal stroke after pedal stroke on the bike, etc. So. Um, that's that's pretty much what, what we're talking about when, when it comes to biomechanics. Um, I personally have a bit of a, a bit of a swim coaching background and a bit of a history in swimming, and it's the one thing that I hear from a lot of triathletes in particular. And I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here, but I'll use it as an example because it might be applicable to a lot of you out there. Is we hear a lot um, guys who are who are struggling a bit with their swim leg or um, of their of their triathlon. It's, it's usually one of the usually the weak one of the weaker legs in a lot of triathletes. Um, we, we hear that they're struggling with their swim leg a bit and what they, what they all tend to say, and it's a common theme, is I'm getting fitter, but I'm not getting faster. And the, the, thing, the thing I immediately think of is, well, what are you doing in the pool other than trying to get fit? And off, often I have, a look at, I have a look at a swim program and go, and, and the, my first question will be is, so what drills are you doing? I, I don't even, I rarely have to look at the program and I can automatically go, what drills are you doing? And if you're not doing any technique drills, that's probably the reason why you're not getting much faster. You may be fitter, but if you can't move through the water, what is, what is a heavy resistance when you compare it to something like air when you're, when you're, when you're running or you're riding? Water is so much more resistance on your body that you need to overcome. There's so much more drag force. There's so much more going against you that you need to overcome. So being really efficient in your stroke is going to make you faster. Um, if you have a look at the Olympic swimmers, they're Olympic swimmers because they've got the best best technique first, um, and they're selected that way. Having done a bit of work at some national um, national level youth swimming um, in strength and conditioning, having a look at some of the some of the kids are doing really well at the nas- national uh, age sort of championships. The ones who win have the best strokes by far. And they they may not be the fittest in the squad. And I can tell you right now, it frustrated the hell out of strength, the strength conditioning staff because we'd have kids who would almost never show up to gym and never really show signs of wanting to get fitter. 
but they would be the fastest in the pool because their stroke was amazing. And I mean, it, it works to an extent for them. Obviously, it's going to catch up to them after a period of time once everyone catches up um, stroke-wise. But um, I think that's going to be that's the biggest thing. We, we hear it we hear it time and time again, and I can't I can't count the, the amount of times I've heard a triathlete say, "I want to improve my swim. I'm getting fitter, but I'm not getting faster." And my one recommendation is: let's look at your stroke technique. Let's fix that up. Slow down a bit. Don't worry about your pace too much because with better technique comes better propulsion force, comes more efficient, you maximise your engine, um, you maximise your output in the water, and what happens? You end up being faster. You may not be any fitter, but you're a hell of a lot faster. Um, subtle things in swimming, like catch position, and I, I, I'm going to elaborate in maybe, I might put up a video on the Mastermind side or do a podcast on some tips for swimming, um, just as, a, as an area of interest of mine, but um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of drag forces going against you from from the beginning, like I said, so there's a lot you need to overcome to to be fast in the first place. Let forget forget fitness. You you don't have to be the fittest person to be the best swimmer. You need uh, nine out of ten times you need to have the best technique. And a lot of guys would probably think that they train with guys that they would easily beat beat day in day out in a triathlon. But in the pool at training, they're getting smashed because whoever they're training with has got a great technique. Um, and seeming, seemingly cruising through the session, um, but they may not necessarily be fitter. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an insight into sort of that, why we need to balance physiology and, um, and the other side of it, which is economy and efficiency. So your biomechanics and your strength and testing. Um, hopefully you get a bit about that. Um, if there's any questions at all, feel free to send them through to, through to myself, but I'll, I'll be in the next, uh, next sort of few podcasts talking about um, some more strength training, more in depth, and then I'm going to go into a bit more biomechanics and, and how we can improve individually. So um, I'm planning to do a few focus podcasts, one on one on definitely swimming, a couple on swimming. Um, maybe talk about some bike biomechanics and some running biomechanics and how we can improve our efficiency as well as build that engine. Because um, the, the, at the end of the day, we'll go back to a car analogy is we, we can, when we improve our VO2 max, and Luke will talk about this all the time whenever you come in, is we want to get from a V6 engine to a V8 engine. We want to get you then working on eight cylinders. We want that engine to be as efficient as possible. If we put that V8 working on eight cylinders in a in a four-wheel drive, it's going to be reasonably efficient. It's going to, it's going to move pretty well. Um, but what we could do instead is we could put that V8 engine working on eight cylinders in a Formula One car, and we're going to be so much faster and be more economical use less fuel, um, put less strain on our body, be, be more aerodynamic, reduce our drag, um, increase propulsion by reducing braking. We, we, we make that car as fast as possible, not just the engine. We can, you, you can put an F1 engine in a, in a four-wheel drive. It'll, drive. it'll probably drive fine if you, if you connect it cor- correctly, but it's not going to be as fast because a four-wheel drive's not not efficiently a, 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 an efficient moving vehicle compared to a, a Formula 1 car. Formula 1 car is, is tuned down biomechanically to the specifications to make it re- reduce drag, to be, to be efficient through air resistance. Um, so that's essentially what we're doing with your body is where we upgrade your engine, but then we also need to upgrade the way you use your engine and make that, engine, make that overall package um, as efficient as possible. So like I said, hopefully you got something out of this podcast. I tried to keep it as short as I could. I could go on about this all day as I'm sure some of you are aware. Um, I look forward to 
having a bit more of a chat about strength conditioning and biomechanics in some future podcasts and uh, look forward to hearing from you guys in the mastermind group and um, getting more involved with the physiology secrets. So again, hope you enjoyed and we'll see you in the next episode.